1: Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
2: The title of the message today is, The Divine Path to Happiness, The Divine Path to Happiness. All of us, as human beings, want to be happy. From the cradle to the grave, this is something that we all seek. Ask the average person whom he or she would describe as happy, and the answer would probably be the rich, the famous, the powerful, the cultured, and so on. So, the question I raise this morning is what would it take to make you happy? What would it take to make you happy? Psychology Today magazine asked that question of 52,000 readers and received answers like a good job, being in love, recognition and success, more sex, a good financial situation, and having a nice house or a nice apartment. Now what is interesting is that most of the attempts to find happiness are through external situations instead of internal attitudes. The popular idea of happiness is having the right circumstances. How often we hear statements like, when I get out of school, then I'll be happy. Or when I get the job that I've been looking for, then I'll be happy. When I get married, then I'll be happy When I have kids, then I'll be happy And when the kids leave home, then I will be happy (laughs) The classic chapter in the Bible on the search for happiness is Ecclesiastes chapter 2 And in verse 1, Solomon says I said to myself, come now, let's give pleasure a try Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this, too, was meaningless. Solomon tried it all and found three dead ends. The experiencing of pleasure, the accumulation of material things, and the achieving of success. These are the three things we spend our life trying to get. Solomon experienced all kinds of pleasure. We are told in the scriptures that he had some 300 wives and a thousand concubines. He was the wealthiest man of his time and the most successful of his day. His conclusion in chapter 2 and verse 17 of, of Ecclesiastes says, all of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. It would indeed be a tragedy to come to the end of your life and conclude that your life was meaningless and a chasing after the wind. No one is better qualified than the Son of God to tell us how to be happy and how we can attain the potential for which we were created in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus gave his disciples eight secrets necessary to the achievement of happiness so what then is the divine path to happiness first it is having the right attitude it's having the right attitude The popular idea of happiness is having the right circumstances. But God's way of happiness is having the right attitude. In Matthew chapter 5 and 1 through 10, which was read for us, Jesus identifies these uh, eight secrets to a happy life. He said that uh, those who are poor in spirit, they'll be happy. Those who mourn, those who are meek, Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, and those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Of all the subjects Jesus could have chosen to speak on when he started the Sermon on the Mount, he chose the subject of happiness. Why? Because he knew that was what everybody was searching for but very few find it when you read the beatitudes they sound like contradictions at first happy if you're sad happy if you are poor in spirit happy if you get put down and are persecuted this does not sound like happiness to me but what Jesus was saying is that we can learn to be happy in spite of our circumstances If you have to have all of your problems solved before you become happy, you will never be happy. If you have to have everything perfect in your life before you are happy, then you will never be happy. Jesus is teaching us that happiness does not depend on the right circumstances, but on the right attitudes, My happiness is not determined by what is happening around me, but rather by what is happening in me. Jesus is saying, it is not how much we have, it's what we are that makes us happy. Happiness is determined by our internal attitude. Happiness is a choice. You choose the right attitudes. Right now, whether you are happy or sad or somewhere in between, you are as happy as you choose to be. Life is tough. We all know that. There are a lot of things that don't go right in our lives and don't go the way that we want them to go. Happiness depends on choosing the right attitudes so let us look at the first step to happiness given to us by by Jesus the first step on the road to happiness is humility humility in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 in the first beatitude Jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Now, what does Jesus mean by poor in spirit? He's not talking about low self-esteem. He's not talking about putting yourself down all the time, saying things like, I'm no good, I'm, I'm evil, I'm a loser. By poor in spirit, Jesus is talking about humility, admitting that you don't have it all together, realizing that you haven't arrived yet, that you haven't learned it all, and that you are not perfect. You see, the opposite of poor in spirit is arrogance and egotism. Jesus is saying that if you are full of arrogance and egotism, you are never going to be happy. The good news translation of this verse is, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. They know they don't have it all together. That they know that they need God. And the living Bible says, happy are the humble. The point that Jesus is making in this first beatitude is that humility and happiness go together. They are twins, soulmates. If you want to have lasting happiness, then you need to learn to be humble. So what the question could be raised, how does humility increase my happiness? There are three things that I need to mention. First, humility reduces stress. Humility reduces stress. You see, when I am humble, I don't have to have all the answers. I realize that the world does not depend on me. I don't have to solve all the problems Where I am or in the society that I live in I don't have to fake it I don't have to pretend that I'm perfect Because God doesn't demand that I'm perfect in order to be happy I don't have to play God and assume responsibility that is not mine You see when I'm humble I can live with the tension between the real and the ideal and that's a real problem for us is the way i want to live my life the way i want my career to go the way i want my my family my marriage my kids to be and the way it really is is there's always a tension in life between the ideal and the real Humility accepts the fact that you can be happy because you are depending on God even though things aren't ideal. You may not have the best job or the, your marriage may not be perfect but, and you can still be happy. I think we take ourselves too seriously and we don't take God seriously enough. And that is the crux of almost all of our problems. We're trying to impress people with who we are. And because we know who we really are and who we want to be, there is stress. Because there is a, a disjunction between who we are and what we want to be. But we are projecting that we are somebody else. So when I become a humble person, when I live in dependence upon God... It reduces the stress in my life As the stress goes down The happiness goes up But the second thing about humility Is that it improves our relationships It improves our relationships How many of you love to be around selfish Self-centered people? Nobody I know like to be around selfish and self-centered people because those are the people who wreck relationships. Self-centered people are never happy. And because they are unhappy, they make everybody else around them unhappy. They spread all of their gloom and doom to everyone around them. And on the other hand, how many of you like to be around humble people? Those that don't think that they are so great. They aren't always trying to impress you. When you tell a story, they don't always have to have a better one. So when you're humble, you get along better with other people. So humility doesn't mean that you think less of yourself. Humility just says that you think more about others. And that's an important point. You're not thinking less of yourself, but you're thinking more about others. So when you become interested in others, you become interesting to others. You don't have to be right all the time. When you have humility, it is easier to say two hard words, I'm sorry. Or the three hardest words, I was wrong, or oh, the other three hardest words. I need help. I find that when I'm full of pride, I bruise very easily. I'm very sensitive to other people's comments. When I'm trying to impress people and and someone says something that really should shouldn't bother me, it hurts. It's like sticking a pin in a balloon. On the other hand, I've discovered that when I'm walking humbly before the Lord and just being who I am, being honest and depending upon God, I am almost immune to insults. If you find yourself or if, I, if you find someone who is very sensitive to criticism, it is because they haven't learned the first principle of happiness— Humility. Amen. Be humble in spirit before the Lord. Amen. But the third thing that humility does is that it releases God's power. It releases God's power. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, God gives strength to the humble, but he sets himself against the proud. Would you like to have God's strength in your life? But the Bible says that the secret of spiritual power is to walk humbly before the Lord, to realize that you depend on him and him alone. As pastor of this historic congregation, I often feel a deep sense of inadequacy. That is why, or partly, that is why I, I get up at three, 3.45 a.m. on Sunday mornings as I did this morning, Uh, To spend time with God, asking Him for His empowerment to deliver His message. I humble myself before the Lord and express total dependence on Him. Before I enter the pulpit for this service, the second service, a group of of uh, deacons and deaconesses uh, meet with me and my colleagues in the office to pray for me and uh, to give me the support that I need in order to stand here in the pulpit and as I enter the pulpit I I remind myself that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and if you have ever been blessed by um, any message that I've preached it's not because of who I am but because of who God is I think what This principle of humility is stating is the secret of strength is admitting weakness. The secret of power is admitting helplessness. The secret of happiness is humility. The secret of victory is total surrender to God. And the secret of independence is dependence upon God. That may seem like a contradiction, But it isn't, and it is a a great problem that we have because in our society we have been told uh, at every point that we should be independent. We prize independence, but when we become a Christian, it reverses. We are to be dependent on God, not independent of him. But the third thing about um, humility is the reward and the reward for humility is citizenship in the kingdom of heaven citizenship in the kingdom of heaven Matthew 5 3 again says happy are those who know their need for God for the kingdom of heaven is theirs that means that All that God has to offer is available to the person who walks humbly before God. All that God has to offer is ours when we live in dependence upon him. The kingdom of heaven is ours. It's a kingdom that is infinitely beyond anything which can be obtained this side of heaven. An unbelieving world may view Christians as nobodies, as fools to believe in a God whom you cannot see. But the God of heaven and earth, the God who is the beginning and the end, calls us his sons and daughters to whom his kingdom belongs. And we shall reign with him forever and ever, says the scriptures. Poor in spirit, the words sound as if they are describing the owners of nothing, yet they describe the inheritance, inheritors of all things. Billionaires will sink into insignificance. The wealth and apparent power of uh, the, some of the drug cartels and, and uh, the others who uh, seem to have it all will evaporate. But, the, but to the poor in spirit remains a boundless, endless kingdom, incomparable in its glory, where the righteousness or the righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He right. said, so the kingdom of heaven is far more than just a figment of the imagination. Yeah. It's far more than just the sentiment of a lofty vision. It's far more than the desire of an emotional high right. or the wish of a misguided people. The kingdom of heaven is a place where graves never open. It's a place where gates never close, where tears never fall, where hearts never break, where tempers never rise, and where problems never occur. The kingdom of heaven is a place where Satan never deceives and sin never tempts. It's a place where love never fails and glory never fades. It's a place where joy never ends and peace never never parts is a place where pain never penetrate and souls never sorrow and it's a place where death never happens and might and night never comes furthermore the kingdom of heaven is a place where friends never part where jealousy never exists where rejoicing never stops where doubts never arise and blessings never cease Although numerous difficulties and problems and heartaches and, and headaches uh, will be our experience here on the earth, in the kingdom of heaven, there will never be, we will never be perplexed by problems. We will never be confused by circumstances. We will never be frustrated by failures, tormented by troubles, shocked by tragedies burdened by blunders, discouraged by defeats, hindered by hardships, or forsaken by family or friends. Instead, we will spend eternity worshiping, praising, serving, honoring, magnifying, glorifying, and adoring our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will never become tired of talking about and rejoicing over his loving kindness his tender mercies his sufficient grace his abundant blessings and his generous benefits the kingdom of heaven which is ours will be worth all of the disappointments we may have had to face here in this in this life it will be worth more than all the hardships we may have had to endure it will be worth more than all the difficulties we may have to confront day after day, to be worth more than all the battles we may have to fight, more than all the burdens we may have to bear, more than all the sorrows we may have to suffer, and to be worth all more than all other crosses we may have to carry. Until that day, until that hour, until that moment, when we shall inherit the kingdom of heaven, we must continue to fight the good fight, endeavor to finish the course, keep the faith, meditate on these precious truths, submit ourselves to the Lord, and continue to resist the devil, for there is no place to stop until we hear the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God on that great giving up morning. Amen and amen. Thank you
1: for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street, at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617 617-